I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hello, horror fans. Welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. And today we'll be discussing a anniversary film again. Um, normally I would introduce what the anniversary film is first off, but again, in the studio with us right now, we have our special guest, Mr. Eddie Murphy. Let him tell you all about our film coming up. There you go, that's Eddie Murphy introducing our Poltergeist film. Obviously that's a clip off his 1983 stand-up Delirious, which is um, if you love Eddie Murphy's movies and you watch them on SNL, if you haven't seen Raw and Delirious, Delirious is red suit and Raw is purple suit. So uh, go check those out, great movies. Um, so again, he described that the movie's pretty much a family's home is haunted by a Host of demonic ghosts, a young family are visited by ghosts in their home. At first, the ghosts appear friendly, moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone. Then they turn out to be nasty and start to terrorize the family before they kidnap the youngest daughter. Movie was directed by Toby Hooper, who is, if you don't know Toby Hooper, he is the director of such horror films as Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and the sequel, number 2, and uh, The Fun House. Eaten Alive, um, Salem's Lot, and The Mangler, which are both based off Stephen King novels. And it stars Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Wils Williams, who, um, as the parents of the Freeling family in the movie, who at the time weren't as well known as they are now. And um, that's, what's, that's what they were kind of going for. That's what Spielberg wanted to go for, a group of, of actors inside his movie that weren't as well known. So again, uh, I guess to make the movie a little bit more terrifying. Steve, what were your opinions on this film, bud? Um, this was my first time actually watching this, which is crazy, because um, you know, this is a movie that I always heard about uh, growing up, and um, I gotta say, it's it's very 
overrated um, now that I watched it because um, I didn't think it was not only wasn't that scary but um, I don't even think it's barely a horror movie and I would categorize this more as a family fantasy film and um, the two words I would, I would use to describe it is, is that it's um, overrated and annoying um, I found the movie really annoying like the characters and the line deliveries and the score especially was the number one problem I had with the movie um, the score the whole time was just like to like action adventure like like family Steven Spielberg and um I think that's what it really comes down to what I have a problem with the most is that this is like Steven Spielberg trying to make a horror movie but like not really changing like his ways like I know he didn't direct it but this just has like his fingerprints like all over it this is like um more like E.T. and like Gremlins and movies like maybe like even even like the score reminds me of movies like Star Wars or like Indiana Jones and I just found it to be very like um, distracting and like too energetic and like funny and and um but also not that funny because like I know it's trying to be satirical but I just feel like the tone's all over the place and it doesn't do either the comedy or the horror well and um and again that that score is I think like 80% of the reason why I hated the movie because um the whole time it's, it's just like an, like an adventure like magical like kids kids movie like full of like like joy and stuff like this does not come off like as a horror movie and i um i think this opens up like a debate on what is considered a horror movie like what should be in a horror movie um the only things that i saw in this that made it a horror movie to me was the face peeling scene in the bathroom and when she's in the in the pool in the mud with all the with all the skulls and stuff like those are the only horror moments um i didn't think the clown was scary i hated the special effects um there was too many special effects and it was like a little too ambitious for the for the time they were like trying to go for like a lot of stuff that you know the technology just wasn't there uh, for it yet and um i think that's what they put the most emphasis on is the effects and like the set pieces um and really not so much like the storytelling and you know the script and like stuff that just makes a good movie um i think this was just like um like a blockbuster horror movie like again like spielberg trying to make a horror movie like very um uh, child like uh, n not childish but like family friendly and um yeah I, I absolutely didn't like not like this movie i thought the character was really annoying too and um yeah just that annoying that's, that's all i gotta say about it really this is actually the first time where me and you have completely opposite views on on a movie that we that we are doing on the podcast um i love this movie i, I love it for some of the same reasons that you hate it and for other reasons as well you mentioned how a lot of the characters in the movie was really annoying. I thought the only character that really pissed me off was the older sister, and obviously teenage girls are normally annoying. Um, she was crying and complaining and yelling the whole time throughout the whole movie, and kind of just wanted to grab her from the other side of the screen, be like, shut the fuck up. But again, I guess she was playing like a normal teenage girl if something like that was going on in her life. Um, you also said that Spielberg, even though he didn't direct it, it felt like he was directing it. Spielberg was originally, um, he was asked to write the movie, and his publisher was uh, asking for too much money, so they said that that wasn't happening. And with Poltergeist, he ended up becoming the producer, and he ended up asking Toby Hooper to actually direct E.T., and Toby Hooper turned that down, and instead Toby did a ended up directing Poltergeist, as we said, and Spielberg direct, directed E.T. himself. And it's funny because, like, both those came out the same year, and 
I think they, again they were filmed back to back. I think they were filmed at the same time for for the most part in a studio not far away from each other. And because of that, Spielberg was able to spend a lot of time at the uh, at the Poltergeist set. And again, it does have a much big Spielberg feel to it. And people believe that he might have directed most of it because he was there so often. And again, when he was asked later on in interviews um, who had the most control over the film, and it was himself, he replied, Toby isn't a take-control type of guy, and told a reporter he basically directed the whole movie himself, but later on he took it back. So that it makes a lot of sense that it is a, um, that it feels like a Steven Spielberg film. Uh, the, one of the reasons also why I like the film a lot is because I like that I like that comfortable Spielberg feel to it, and then to me it kind of started off as like a feel-good, goofy movie. Um, like we said while describing the movie, the the ghosts were doing harmless stuff in the beginning. They were they were stacking the chairs, they were bending utensils, they were playing with the dog, they were playing, um, and it slowly goes down a dark path, which I thought was cool. Um, again, um, had the Star Spangled Banner in the beginning of the movie. Which, I, I don't know why I found that creepy, but that's what used to happen. Did, did, did you know that back in the day, Steve, if you were a night owl, you weren't watching TV? Uh, yeah, I, I know about that from actually the Iron Giant. Um, there's a scene where he falls asleep during a horror movie and then it goes to that. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because back in the, I, I don't know when the end of the 80s, I guess. I'm not sure, but like... Um, but after a certain time, the stations would play the uh, Star Spangled Banner and then just turn off. And again, like uh, I just found the movie to be peaceful in the beginning. It was a, it was a nice suburban neighborhood. You got had the kids riding the bikes uh, when the kids um, used their remote control cars to knock the beer out of the guy's hands. I thought that was funny. Um, they were watching the football game just like guys like to do. He was arguing with his neighbor because they were controlling the TV with two different remotes, whatever was going on. And it kind of reminded me, have you seen The Burbs, the, the, the movie The Burbs with, with Tom Hanks? I have not, nope. It kind of reminded me of that, which is my favorite Tom Hanks movie. That's like a late 80s Tom Hanks comedy. And yeah, you have the kids throwing cereal at each other, feeding the waffles to the dog. It was just kind of like... The beginning, like you said, just started off as like a family-friendly flick, and as soon as it starts getting darker, and you realize that these things are out to harm the family, or out to steal their daughter, or out to do this, like again, that just brings it to another level to me, and I enjoyed that. But uh, I would say though, even when it does go to the darker stuff, it's still not like um, like. A a horror movie like it, it's like it reminds me more of like a tv show like are you afraid of the dark um except i thought even even that was a little scarier and had more of a, a horror feel but um that's the number one problem i had with it is is what you just said about the family friendly stuff and like the part with with the guys watching football and all that like um that that would fit in more in like a movie like like honey i shrunk the kids and like stuff like that like i just the way they acted like um i just didn't understand why that's what they went for and then um that's that's when i realized that I think Steven Spielberg is not that good when it comes to doing stuff outside of like something that he's passionate about, like um, like stuff that he's taking on as a side project. I don't think he, not a side project, but just something that's not like Minority Report or or Jaws or like you know a big ambitious movie that that he was going for himself. Um, I think he usually fails when he tries to do something different. Like this movie, he doesn't like try to compromise at all and like try to like 
um, a justice style for it to be a horror movie. This is like a Spielberg movie um, with horror elements, but but barely any in there. And um, another example I have of, of what I'm trying to say with Spielberg is um, he also did the movie AI taking over after um, Stanley Kubrick passed away because he was his good friend and like um, his mentor, and he wanted to, like to dedicate the the movie because he knows uh, Kubrick wanted to, um, to make that movie really badly, so he finished it for him. And that movie was really bad, and it's because it's not like it wasn't his original thing, like like how Jaws was. And then uh, another example of that is, um, and this is the more latest one, is that movie Ready Player One. Um, I think that was him trying to like capitalize on the current nostalgia of like back in the day, a, a lot of stuff uh, coming back, like all the superhero stuff. Um, just uh, like right now, nostalgia sells. Like I know that was a couple of years ago, but it was already we were already in that era where um, you know licensable like names and like. Um, brands and recognizable characters were like you know are all the rave nowadays um it's even bigger than than a movie star itself like um, right now it's all about um like franchises and and stuff like that so um yeah ready player one i also didn't enjoy and i thought it was too spielbergish and again it was just a spielberg movie trying to do like what was in at the moment and and that was like um yeah that style of movie and then he also did the bfg which is like an animated um pixar type movie like um Especially a computer-generated effect movie, and that was also pretty horrible. I thought, and it, and once again, it's because it's like Spielberg, just using his usual like formula in in like another genre of movies. Um, and I don't think that formula always works. It works on in like Jaws because it's a movie that like, takes place in the you know in like a beach and outdoors and stuff. And and this is, I'm saying all this with, with, as like a fan, um, you know, not really like trying to act like if I, I'd be a better director than, than Spielberg or you know I'm not trying to disrespect him or anything, but. Just as a as a viewer, um, I don't think that that he's that good when it comes to like trying to like branch out into like other stuff that that's not like you know something that that he originally imagined himself. Even though Minority Report I think is based on a book or something, but um, yeah, just Spielberg's not not good for horror. I don't think that's what I'm trying to get at. Well, it seems yeah, Steve isn't putting down Spielberg. He's not saying he'd be a better director. He's just saying he'd be just as good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I will say, like, I, I like Spielberg's older films better. Like, again, like, Jurassic Park era and beforehand. Uh, well, I, I want to say Saving Private Ryan and beforehand. Um, I love Saving, Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Yep, that's a great movie. Yeah, still, still to me, that's one of, if not the best war movies ever made. I, I remember when that came out, and, like, it blew you away. Like, the first, like, half hour, 40-minute scene. And, again, like, it's still amazing. But, uh, and, and what a cast... But um, AI, I also didn't like, just like you. I, I did like the, uh, the the new one you were saying. Um, Ready what, Player what One. Dealing? Yeah, I did enjoy that. I, I, I get to see him running around and fighting Chucky and stuff. It was it was fun. But uh, but also, um, I haven't watched The Big Friendly Giant because I'm an adult. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Steve. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, no, I, I watch cartoons all the time. I just have not seen that film. I just had no interest in it. It kind of reminded me of um, what was that cartoon movie with Jennifer Aniston in it with the giant robot, the giant, the uh, Iron Giant, the Iron Giant, right? Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of that. And talking about Kubrick, that's funny that you mentioned that because um, interesting fact about about uh, Poltergeist, your favorite movie. Um, when um, <laughs> when the Star Spangled Banner comes on and the time on the TV is two thirty seven, which is room two thirty seven from The Shining with the uh, with the dead lady in, it, in the bathtub. So again, that's, that's pretty awesome. interesting. 
maybe maybe that was pay homage to him since you said that he was uh, a fan of Kubrick. I didn't know he was that big of a fan of him. But um, and, and, and again, to clarify, Hol- um, um, Spielberg does do animation very well because I'm a big fan of Animaniacs and um, a lot of stuff that he's done. Um, I just think BFG he was trying to be like the more like the current like Pixar animated movies. So again, I'm not trying to say Spielberg. Um, you know, I'd be crazy to say he, he has no talent. Like everything he does, um, he puts his all in, and he's a great director. But he just doesn't uh, shake off that Spielberg formula. And sometimes it could just be like a, a little annoying. Like just you know, when you could tell that it's, it's Spielberg in a movie that that's not really like um, a movie where you want that feeling. For example, a horror movie. I actually heard the uh, the Animaniacs theme song when I was on vacation in Pennsylvania this week. I was driving up with my two buddies, and he kept playing like. Um, like a hard rock version, like like a punk rock version of it, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But um, so uh, I forgot that Spielberg had something to do with it, but it makes sense since he was a cartoon on the show too. Yeah, and Freakazoid also, which is hilarious. Great, really underrated cartoon. Never seen Freakazoid. That might have been after my time. I don't know. No, no, that, that like was a, um early nineties. That was early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like there's like cartoons for like every like sh- every movie out too. Like I know there was a mask cartoon. Yep, and Dumb and Dumber. And Dumb and Dumber, and I know there was uh, Beetlejuice, of course. Yes. And then they had like again they had um they, they had the Ghostbusters and they had um they had Police Academy and Bill and Ted and stuff too. And I, I actually own the Bill and Ted cartoons, and Police Academy I do not, but I would love to own them. But again, great great. Uh, both great series, Police Academy and Bill and Ted. Um, Pol- with Poltergeist, so oh, and go back for one second to you just you just made my night because I don't have work till four tomorrow. So we're actually filming this at night, folks. We normally film during, film during the day, but we're filming it's eleven p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time right now. So after this, I am going to pop in The Shining. Um, the Shining is an awesome movie, and Steve, uh, we posted the other day on on Instagram, what movie would you rather go see in theaters, The Exorcist, The Shining, or Psycho? I think I would go see The Shining. Um, I told you that I didn't know at the time, but I think I would go see The Shining. But again, you guys, g- give us how you feel on that too. Uh, go to our post. We, we, we'd love to see what horror movie that you would like to go see in the theater that you can't. In fact, some movies... Um, I used to work at a movie theater in uh, Manhasset, and I went there a couple weeks ago to see Maverick, and I posted a meme on Facebook the other day because I'm always on Facebook because I got nothing better to do. So um, I posted a Facebook. Ha- Remember when you worked at uh, at the restaurant, Steve, and we had the um, the syrup boxes that you needed to open up for the soda? Yes. Of course. And there was like a meme, like, is there nobody who works in a restaurant, like, understands how stressful this crap is? <laughs> it really is. And it's so yeah, heavy. yeah, no, it f- fucking sucks. But, like, uh, I, I actually just opened one up a couple hours ago because I still work in a restaurant. But, um, so I posted that, and my buddy that I used to work at the movie theater started talking about that theater. I was sitting there going, like, my, my buddy Carl. And I was like, he, he's like, those were the days. I'm like, yeah, that's what you could say the days because I went there to go see Maverick. And there were these people that were, like, young kids working there. And I was like, back when I was your age, I used to work here. Like, I felt like saying, like, back when I walked 50 miles in the snow with no, uh, with, with no bottoms on my shoes. But, uh, yeah, so, but, but that was, uh, again, it was, it was awesome working. I, I don't know who out there has worked in a the movie theater, but it's an awesome time. Especially if you work in, like, a shitty one. 
I'm sure if you work in AMC, like obviously it's a big franchise, so they need you to do everything brand standard like. But over at uh, when I was working at Clearview, which wasn't as bad, we'd play wiffle ball in the middle of like shows, and we'd just play that in the hallway for like an hour, and then play N64, and then let the shows out. Awesome. So that was a freaking awesome time. But uh, what what was I getting at? Um, I was getting at. I was getting at. Um, oh, I was talking about The Shining. And if you have not seen it yet, go watch Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep is one of, if not the best horror sequels ever made. Very underrated. And I didn't see it till years after it came out. And one day my brother was like, you got to watch this. So I popped it in and it's about Danny when he's older. And it, it, it's a different type of horror. Have you seen Dr. Sleep, Steve? Uh, I saw half of it and I liked it a lot, especially because I like uh, Ewan McGregor a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, who, who's he played? The, the little girl? Uh, Danny. <laughs> he plays Danny. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, no. But that movie kicks ass. And like I said, um, again, that, now maybe I'll watch Doctor Sleep instead. Like I said, I, I um, do you want us to lose a lot of fans on Instagram, Steve? Yes. Okay, sounds good. Because I'm about to say Doctor Sleep might be better than Johnny. Really? Okay. So, so, so we might lose some fans. But again, yeah, yep. So. I found it interesting. Um, sorry, yeah, just the that poll you brought up earlier that we brought up. Uh, brought up who, where do you rather see in theater, Psycho, uh, The Shining, or The Exorcist? Um, people our age or older would remember that The Exorcist actually had another screening. Um, I think it was at the 30th anniversary or something, either 2000 or 2001, and I saw it in theater. So uh, personally, just from you know um, being alive as long as I have and getting to watch it in. In theaters, The Exorcist, um, that only leaves out Psycho and The Shining as, as one that would be cool to see and never have gotten the opportunity to. So my pick would also be The Shining. And that movie would just be amazing in theaters because of the soundtrack alone and just like, you know, seeing all the iconic um, parts in a movie theater. Um, it's a shame that I didn't get the, the love and recognition it deserved while it was in theaters. But yeah, I think it'd be really appreciated nowadays. And it, it didn't get that chance, a second chance like The Exorcist did. Well, by the way, that that the reason why now I remember why I brought up the theater that I worked at. Um, I didn't just bring it up for random crap to brag that I had an awesome job, but um, we used to show older films at the theater every every Tuesday night or something like that during the summer. It'd be like ten shows, like ten shows a summer. Like we'd show uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, we'd show Citizen Kane, we'd show like a bunch of old films, and I sat in for a couple of them, which was fun, but. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, but Poltergeist, like I said, um, you're, you're saying it's like a family-friendly film, which is funny because, like, originally it was rated PG. I'm sorry, originally it was rated R, but if you go see it now, it's rated PG. Like, it, it was turned to PG when it came out because Spielberg, he fought to have it PG by saying, because they were going to make it R, it goes, and I guess Spielberg has power because he's, he's Steven Spielberg. And although Steve thinks he's the worst director in the world, no. you said that, Steve. <laughs> but uh, but Spielberg pretty much said, "I don't make rated R movies. I make PG films." And they made it. And they made a PG film. So it, it's not like he had to go through what we talked in the past with like um, with those movies where we discussed in the past where they had to make these small changes and stuff like that, just to cut out a little blood there, cut out a little gore there, cut out. The 40th stab, and you could leave the first 39 in. Like, he didn't need to do that. He's like, I'm Steven Spielberg. My movie's going to be PG. And wow. um, again, that, that goes to show what you said. Like, he makes a certain type of movie. 
Okay, and I didn't know that that he uh, straight up admits it and embraces it. So um, yeah, that that's pretty cool that that he just you know puts his foot down and this is his style of film and you know that's how it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. And like my, I said, but my like... favorite um, Spielberg movie though I think is the least Spielberg movie. Um, if that makes any sense, uh, uh, Catch Me If You Can I think is his best movie. That and Saving Private Ryan, and both of those don't have those elements that are like distracting and it's like guys, this is clearly a Spielberg movie like. Those are movies that you could watch at first and then find out after and, and be surprised it was him. Whereas in a movie like um, E.T. or like Jurassic Park, it's like so clearly uh, Spielberg. And I think that's what Poltergeist suffers from is that it, it's too um, Spielbergish. And I, I would say if this is considered a horror movie, then um, Casper should also be considered a horror movie. And uh, Ghostbusters and like Pirates of the Caribbean because there's like zombies in it. But um, yeah, I, I want to like hear your take on like your defense of what makes this a horror movie because like i said before um not only was it not scary at all but i I don't think it has that horror movie feel like even when in a horror movie when there isn't like a ghost or or a stabbing or a murder like something like a zombie anything on the screen that that you usually associate horror movies with um the in-between scenes usually still have the horror movie feel like there's usually dread or suspense or like quiet moments just like um build up to something um this those in-between scenes were very um, again, family friendly and did not feel like a horror movie. Like you keep you keep forgetting it's a horror movie, especially with that score in the background the whole time. And then when there's ghosts, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, this is supposed to be a horror movie, like the clown, which I also didn't think was scary. So um, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about a movie can't just be called a horror movie if if just because it has a ghost in it or or because it has curses. Um, I think a horror movie has to be consistently horror in tone the whole time. Well, the movie, like, again, like, well, obviously Casper, I'm, I'm not saying you're, like, going too stretching it there, but, like, Casper has Casper turning into Rodney Dangerfield and stuff in the movie. Like, is that, that, that movie's going out for the laughs when, like, if you want horror going on, like, while it should be horror, which it isn't, like I said, they have him turning into, like, again, Rodney Dangerfield and stuff like that. Um, I consider anything that, again, that is set to make you feel uncomfortable and scared, uh, again, to be a horror film. Um, I feel as though, I was going to say, the tone of the movie, again, like I said, it starts off as, like, a family-friendly film. And then, I think what also gets me is that the whole, I grew up on Long Island, so the whole feel of it with the suburban neighborhood and the, it's like, the picture-perfect house, and, like, uh, again, like, I, I could almost, like, picture it as me in in the house growing up with my friends and my extended family, like, where we all grew up, and I find it frightening when you're put inside that situation where, again, it, it's just an evil force that's out there to get you, and, like, it's it's taking control of your family, and they, they take the daughter, and, again, like, the, the family is just... Again, you, you kind of feel for the family because they're scared of their minds. Because if you think about like something like that happening to your kid, like I said, it's a terrifying experience. And I, I guess also because I grew up watching this, so imagine watching that clown thing when you're like twelve, like eleven. Yeah, and I was gonna say a lot of a lot of the problems I have is is with the fact that it doesn't hold up. So it might have helped if I watched it growing up over and over again, and then. Um... The, the stuff that doesn't hold up wouldn't be so glaring and you know I'd forgive it more so yeah just remember guys this is coming from somebody that, that just saw this for the first time in 2022 yeah and, yeah and also like 
Let's not lie that uh that Zelda Rubenstein lady she scares the hell out of you with a kid too who plays the uh who plays the um woman who helps him out at the end. Yes. So yes. again, like seeing her kind of freaked me out, but like again, but um and also I I don't remember the uh that that was the only scene in the movie that I didn't remember that you talked about in the beginning with the face falling off while he's peeling his face off. Yeah. Which is crazy because I've seen this movie dozens of times. It. it Everyone's always asking that stupid question, like, how many movies would you watch? Like, wh- what's the one movie you would watch ten times? I've seen hundreds and hundreds of movies over ten times. I've the seen movie. certain <laughs> movies, like, a hundred times. Like I said, again, um, I always think, like, do I just have too much time on my hands? But whatever. I, I enjoy watching this stuff. But, uh, but again, that's one of the reasons why I find the movie scary. Like, again, like, um, just because they make it so pleasant and then things go start going wrong, it feels like something like I could be in that situation just the whole suburban feel to it and all that and also at the end of the movie like you think everything's all good and did did that catch you by surprise when you think everything's all good and like they're all good and all of a sudden you get that you get that last scare like the last 20 minutes yeah and I always said I like um, when horror movies end that way so I'll, I'll give it points for that for sure and then I know I said it wasn't funny but that very last shot of um, the dad putting the TV out in the um, the balcony outside of their hotel room because they were just so fed up with you know everything they went through. That got a laugh out of me, and that was a good ending, too. Yeah, yeah. And also, we were talking about the face-peeling scene. That that, that makeup effect kind of reminded me of, like, Evil Dead a little bit. Yeah, it also yeah, um, reminded me of, like, um, Home Alone 2 when, when Marv gets electrocuted and turns into a skull. For some reason, I thought of that scene. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, oh, I, I remember the scene. Like I said, I can't remember the exact way it looked, but like I remember like his face. Like you could see the skeleton, and but like um, Daniel Stern's a very underrated actor too. Yeah, and, but, um, uh, the best part about that was was like you said, it reminded you of Evil Dead. The practical effects were great, and look, and it did look gruesome. Um, but at the same time, and and uh, I could relate to what you were saying about the suburb thing, and and I completely agree. I just don't think a lot of the things work because um, it's like a little bit silly, like the way it's like acted out or the way it's edited. Um, like even that scene, as gruesome as it looked, it still had like a silly feel and all the other stuff I just thought was like very silly. So um, the suburb stuff, like if you want a movie for that, where you were describing like um, how it gives you the suburb feel and then you can relate to it because of that, the, the better movies for that are, are clearly um, Scream and Halloween. And, you know, th- those are, um, I give those movies the compliments you're giving this um and this i don't think it works because it's too much like too much of the family stuff and even the parts that i knew about um like hearing growing up like being um parried in movies or just referenced um you know growing up like this is a movie that that you hear a lot about because it's a very popular movie um those scenes when i finally watched them like the girl saying like he's here and all that um they just had no impact on me and i feel like it's because of the editing um as soon as she says that, it cuts like the next scene, and it's like outdoors somewhere, and you know you don't even have time to like take in what what she said, like all oh, the moment, like even if it is creepy that she said that, it immediately cuts to like the next normal family friendly scene, and I, I feel like that kept happening a lot, like before it could like register, before like something could um set in with you, like what you just witnessed, like it could have been horror, it could have been scary, it like immediately cuts to the next scene, so and that goes again what I was saying, the tone just being inconsistent, and um never seen this uh, growing up now um, watching it now as an older person those iconic lines and scenes like I, I feel like um, they just had no impact like I, I don't get them at all uh, I want to quote um, 
Will Ferrell and Zoolander, like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because uh, right after the movie was done, I went to, like, look at reviews, and I was surprised how overwhelmingly um, positive they are. And I really just don't see it. Yeah, I, th- I think you're just wrong, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, would say, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I feel like, um, again, you, you said that, that this movie, like, everyone talked about it growing, like, like it, it would be a big, like, culture thing, and you could see it, and um, even Jim Carrey in uh, Ace Ventura, he's going, I have exercised the demons, that house is clear, <laughs> and he's opening and closing the door, and again, um, so I remember that from there, but uh, yeah, their here was actually, I, I know it's not the quote for you, but like, they're here, and then the sequel had the quote, they're back, um, they're here was voted uh, on the American Film Institute as the top 69 film uh, quote of all time. And I was excited for that for that part, and it came on, and then it cuts immediately to the next scene. I was just like, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe like like watching it as an adult, like um, all these years later, but it it, it had yeah. no no impact on me that scene. Like I don't get why that's an iconic line, and I don't think well, the TV I... stuff is scary either. Or like when she's when she's trapped inside and you hear her screaming. Um, I, that could also be though from. Um, over the years, watching things uh, parody like or be influenced by this movie, and a lot of the stuff that might have started here and was original when it came out kind of became a cliche later on, and that could also be why I don't like it. Just watching, um, you know, all these years of shows like Family Guy, South Park, or even stuff that's not like um, comedy, just in general, uh, this was something that was spoofed a lot. So watching it now, even if this was the original time it happened, it's still a little comical to me just because of how cliche it is now. So. That's not the movie's fault. Well, what you said about like her being stuck in the walls and calling out, we, we, we mentioned this in a couple episodes. Again, like one of my, that and Tales from the Crypt are my two favorite TV shows, of, like horror shows of all time, The Twilight Zone. Uh, there's a Twilight Zone go, uh, show called The Little Girl Lost where a girl gets stuck in her wall like in another dimension behind her bed. And again, this is obviously a blatant ripoff of that. And again, so that, that, that just like the whole like talking dolls things that we talked about last time and like being in like being in the picture and, and kind of like the uh, again we, we keep talking about 90s comedy too because 90s comedy is awesome and this is again another time that we're bringing up the same scene from a night at the Roxbury with the Twilight Zone <laughs> with, the, with, 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 with the picture and like I said again um, where he's like you ever think that we're a picture and they're looking at us or whatever but like um <laughs> But again, so th- this had a Twilight Zone feel to it also. And this whole movie is, again, we, we cannot talk about Poltergeist without talking about the curse. Um, it is known as one of the biggest cursed films of all time, if not the most cursed film of all time. The TV, there's a TV show on Netflix. I forget if it's Netflix or Amazon Prime. I think it's Amazon Prime. But it's called Cursed Films. And this is one of them. It was the one that I was most psyched to watch. I forgot what the other ones were. Um, but again, like I said, you should go check that out. Um, I, I, will, I will start listing. I'm going to be very boring and list how cursed this film is. Um, starting off with the death of actual people in the movie. Heather O'Rourke played Carol Ann. And she, she was in all three movies. And she was the youngest daughter. And she um, she died of a de- of a disease in 1988, and they thought it was the flu. And um, 
so she died, and the funny thing is, it's not funny. I, mean, I, I don't mean funny. I mean interesting. Like, no, there's nothing funny about anyone dying, especially a little girl. But um, so when she died, she died on January thirty first, nineteen eighty eight. This is the biggest part of the curse I could think of. Do, do you know why that why that date's so big, Steve? No. January thirty first, nineteen eighty eight was the day of Super Bowl uh, of the Super Bowl in 1988 this um, that was the day that that took place that's the day that Heather died in the room in poltergeist above I forgot the I forgot the, the boy's name but above the boy's bed and 88 is six years in the future there's a poster a kid's poster for Super Bowl 1988. So that's crazy that yeah, there's a poster weird. above their bed six years later of the exact day that the girl died. That's horrible. It, it, like, have you ever heard anything that crazy before? Like I said, it, 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 it's a shame that, that, she, that she lost her life. But, like, again, like, I can't watch that movie now without seeing that. And now any time I watch it, that, it's just, again, it's just this creepy feeling, which, again, might add to why the movie is spooky to me. Not because it was written that way, but because of what happened after. Um, the kid's name was Robbie, sorry. Another curse in the film is that the clown's arm, when it choked Oliver Robbins, who played Robbie, he was screaming out that he couldn't breathe. But both Hooper and Spielberg thought that it was ad-libbing. So they just, told, they just told him to look at the camera, and they didn't take down the clown's arms until his face started to turn purple. Oh, damn. So... Again, that, that was kind of crazy. Um, you can find that clown puppet now on display at Planet Hollywood in Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Hmm. Uh, also, someone else who died during the making of this film, uh, right after the making of the film, sorry, I think it was before it was even released or just shortly after, was the older sister, Dominique Dunn, who played Dana. Oh, no way. And her, yeah, yeah, her ex-boyfriend choked her to death when she refused to take him back. Um, Julian Beck, who's in the sequels, not in the original movie, plays Reverend Kane, and he died of stomach cancer after the second film was shot. But again, he was also a pretty old guy. Um, you've seen? Have you seen? Um, have you seen the movie? Uh, what's it called? Um, well, I can't think of the name of it. It's such a big movie. It won the Oscars for all the big awards. It is called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, you remember the big Indian in that movie? Yep. That's Will Samson, who was... Yep, Will Samson was in the sequels to the movie, and he died of a heart-lung transplant. Um, Surgery went wrong in 87. Um, Another guy in the movie who didn't have a big role in the first movie, he he was murdered in his home in 2009. Uh, Joe Beth Williams said that Spielberg used... She said that Spielberg used actual skeletons as props to save money and said that this might have something to do with the film being cursed. Uh, whenever she would go home, she would be filming the pictures. Uh, sorry, whenever she would come home from filming, the pictures on her, on her walls were all crooked and she would rehung them. And then she would come home the next day, they'd be crooked again. And uh, last thing that I could think of is that Zelda Rubenstein, she, um, who played the. Uh, who was in the movie at the end, the person who, uh, what, 
what do you call the person that does her job? I forgot what, what that's called. Um, not an exorcism. No, it's um. No, I forgot. It's like a, a like starts with an S. It's a. Uh, I forgot what you call her, but like, uh, but she, she's the end of the film and uh, middle of the end, and while filming it, she had a vision of her dog and her saying goodbye to the dog. And moments later, she said she got a call. Um, from her friend that told her that her mother passed away, uh, that told her that her dog passed away that very day. Oh, wow. So, again, it, if that, doesn't that seem like the most cursed film ever? Yeah, it's horrible. And, um, when I heard that about all the curses, because I heard about that too, I, I always thought it was, like, around the movie was out, like, when, when it was coming out, and maybe, like, a year or two after it came out. I don't know, like, to this day, there's still, like, um, you know, throughout all the years, there's still stuff happening to the people involved. It's horrible. And even the sequel. So, yeah, I don't know all this. Yeah, no, it's insane. That's the, the thing that blows my mind the most is that, again, like, because this is something that, again, people get murdered, that happens, blah, blah, blah. It sucks. Like, it's horrible. But, like, at the end of the day, like, that whole poster thing that, like, now every time I watch that movie, it says the 1988 Super Bowl. And that the little girl passed away on the day that that Super Bowl app actually happened six years later. Like yeah, that, it's just... that does add a lot to it. Um, another example I can think of when something like that, that um, I find very scary is um, Friday the 13th when, when they actually kill a snake. Um, like that scene, knowing that it's an actual snake that they killed, I feel like makes it very unsettling. And like, I, like I don't like the scene, but you know, it, it adds to like the horror of it. And, you know, I, I, I'm really against them doing that. And maybe that's why, you know, the scene works for me. It's cause like, I have strong feelings about the fact that they killed a snake in real life. Just like this, like the feelings of people dying and all that. Um, I mean, the thoughts come to your head. Uh, definitely will add to like the, you know, the, the experience of watching a movie that's, that's horror already, um, knowing that in real life stuff happened. So yeah, it has that going for it, but you know, that's very tragic and uh, you know, I could I'll criticize the movie and all, but um, everybody did the best they could, especially that little girl. Um, it's really horrible that she died, and she looks like she she had a lot of potential to, like, you know, star in a lot of uh, kid movies and maybe even become a successful adult actress because she did a great job in this movie, I, I want to say. Yeah, no, she was great. It, supposedly, according to Spielberg, too, he said that the, um, well, according to the people on set, not Spielberg himself, but they were saying that the only scene that actually scared the little girl, Heather Work, was when they were filming um, when she was holding the headboard and the, there was a wind machine in the closet that were blowing all of her toys. And you, you remember that scene? Yeah. And the actress, like I said, Spielberg, they said that the actress fell apart on, on, uh, on a set and just started crying and yelling. And I give Spielberg props because they said that Spielberg just stopped filming and told her that she wouldn't have to shoot that scene again. Yeah, so again, really nice. like, yeah, props to him for doing the right thing. And it, the, the scene came out, in my opinion, very good too. So again, like again, not perfect, but it was very well done. So it's not like he would need to shoot it again, but ju- just the fact that he's just taking her feelings into consideration, you know? Yeah, and going back to that scene um, um, with the "There here," the iconic line, um, she delivered it really good. And like I said, I was excited to see that part, and like I want to like it. Um, but then it comes back to what I what I don't like about the movie. And that's um, all the other stuff that's outside of, like, the actor's control. Like, um, you know, they were told to deliver lines the way they, they deliver it. Um, they were told to act the way they act. And everybody did a really good job doing, like, this type of movie. Like, everybody was really good in it. And um, the dare here part, um, I think it's really, like, she delivers the line perfectly. And it is, like, I understand why it's iconic. But just, like, 
um, you know, being like, I guess, like, um, nitpicking. I just wish it didn't cut right away to the next scene. So, yeah, most of the problems I have with it, it's the post-production stuff of the movie. The actual stuff in front of the camera, um, like the actors and, and, you know, like, um, the way they act and all that, it, it's, it would be fine if it wasn't for the score, the, the special effects, the, the editing, all the other stuff that makes it like, like a family movie or like a Spielberg movie. I think that's really what holds it back. Um, it has nothing to do with the, with like the cast and crew that that's in front of the camera, or behind it. I, I think it's it's the decisions that were made at the at the editing room. Yeah, well, it, it seems to me like you didn't even hate the movie. You just like again, like you keep saying, like you just with a horror movie, you just want something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but funny thing, about Carol Ann too. Um, you know, originally I auditioned to play her. It was uh, Drew Barrymore. Oh wow. So it's she auditioned to play her, and um, Spielberg said that she would be better doing E.T. W- with him. So again, so which came out one week after Poltergeist came out. That's and interesting. Not, yeah, yep, yeah, and that kind of, I want to say E.T. made Barrymore a star, started making her a star, because she was like a younger, I, I don't know how old she was when that came out, five, six, maybe even younger. I mean, the Barrymore is... The Barrymores are probably, for those of you who don't know this, they have been in Hollywood and they have been in um, film and theater since like the mid-1800s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they are like the longest lasting film family, like big film family. And they've been, um, Lionel Barrymore, I think it's Lionel Barrymore, is the, is, uh, what's his name? And It's a Wonderful Life. He is um, Mr. Potter. So again, like I said, they're, they have been going on for about four, uh, I think five generations or so, four or five g- generations. And it's not even like if you go back, if you go back like two, three generations, like I wouldn't even say Drew Barrymore is the biggest Barrymore. You had Lionel Barrymore. And uh, again, like there were a couple other big Barrymores. I can't remember because this is from like 70, 80 years ago. But like her great aunt and her great uncle and her grandfather were all huge actors. And, um, but again, like I said, I don't watch that many older films. I, I own a lot of them, and I, I I've seen them on TV here and there. But I'm not as familiar with with those names. But back then, that was something else. Um, I found like a cut. I found it. Um, what was I going to say? It when they go clear your minds, it knows what scares you. Kind of made me laugh a little bit because it just it just remind and again. That is a, that's like a tagline to the movie, and there's two taglines in the movie. One's clear your mind; it knows what scares you, which reminded me of Ghostbusters a little bit, where like at the end they're just like clear your mind completely, like this thing will fuck with us, like it it it's gonna take what you think of and make it your worst nightmare. And that's when the state puff marshmallow man comes. <laughs> and the other tagline, which is interesting, is the house has many hearts, which is. In the movie, there's literally hearts all over the house. You have a heart-shaped lamp. You have hearts stuck on the wall, a heart poster, uh, green heart balloons in the children's room. So it, I, I, I assume they did that on purpose, but I'm not sure. But uh, I, I would also assume, like, if I made this, like, if I went through with this, again, they got out at the end. But you assume if you went through what they went through... Again, you got out, but you didn't really get out because you're probably mentally fucked for life. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine seeing that shit and growing up. You're definitely going to be in some psych wards. Yeah, they definitely, um, 
those people were definitely put through hell and um so i guess in that sense when it comes to a haunted house movie like they got that well because um and it's funny like i completely agree with eddie murphy like why didn't they just leave from the very beginning instead they just get more people to like join in on them um it's good it's because they're white people (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but um and then again that goes with um you brought up ghostbusters before how at the end um the the marshmallow man uh, comes out whatever that's like the big um you know climax ending at 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 the end like in a movie like that i think poltergeist had that same feel where it's like um you know slowly building up towards the big dramatic ending like um i I know a lot of people joke around nowadays with that the generic cgi uh, superhero movies a lot of them will end with like a ripple in the sky and, and like a, a beam coming down. That's like one of the, the cliche big endings when like a, a director, I mean a writer can't think of like anything to like end the movie like that with. Um, it's usually like a big beam coming from the sky and like something trying to take over. Uh, I feel like Poltergeist had like that same um, progression as those movies, like like movies like Jurassic Park and, and Ghostbusters where it's like you see them go through hell and then like little by little it, it just like gets worse and worse like it even started out like a family movie and then it turned into like um well it's trying to be a horror movie but in my opinion it's not but it it does uh, turn darker afterwards and then till the very end everything just goes crazy and it's over the top and they throw everything like at the wall it's like i usually associate um endings like that more with like again action adventure or family fantasy movies um a horror movie i think it's better if it ends like like how horror movies usually end, like by either taking down like the um, the bad guy, you know, thinking that he's dead and then he really isn't, or or just like a, a dark ending with somebody dying. Um, just like the stuff that you, the ways that you use to horror movie endings, it, it's not it's not like the way it's not like what you expect from a, from like an action movie ending. And I think that's like what Poltergeist had, like that big climax where everything goes over the top, and it reminds me more, uh, once again, of action adventure family fantasy movies. Yeah, there's definitely action adventure in it, and like again, we we uh, I don't consider it like a. Um, I don't. I there's all different types of horror movies. Like I, I don't. I don't consider it as terrifying as like The Exorcist. Like, but I again like, to me, The Exorcist and Scream are very different. Like I said, one is like I said like, you're talking about like what horror movies are supposed to do. They're, they're supposed to scare you. Like, Scream is, like, also, even though we both love it, it's joke after joke after joke. And, like, they, they, they do that very well. But, um, but I see what you're talking about with the action. Um, again, I enjoy it, but, again, like I said, it's different. Like I said, you're not going to see that in The Omen or The Exorcist or, or Psycho and stuff like that. But, I think uh, I would have enjoyed yeah. it more if it went all the way with the satirical stuff and the comedy, like, uh, kind of like Army of Darkness. That's the first movie I think of when I think of, um, like a movie that that that's like that where at the end you're expecting like a big you know big battle and like a big cool ending just like the the hollywood climax um a movie like army of darkness i would expect that from um a haunted house movie unless like they're going for all the way like the the comical feel like like the haunted mansion with eddie murphy um i don't expect an ending that way like like a big over-the-top ending so uh, i just would have liked it if the movie focused either more on one tone and like didn't like either picked one tone or the other or, or if they did a better job at both and weren't so like back and forth and um again i don't find that funny or hard or or scary so um yeah i would have liked it if if they focused on just either horror or comedy go all the way with one you know i thought it was a great i, I wouldn't even consider it like a horror movie but i thought it was like a great ghost story like haunted haunted house movie like haunting movie was uh 
The Others it, with Nicole Kidman. That's considered horror, right? I think it is. It's yeah. like it's, it, it's like again, like it's like a creepy vibe to it. Yep. But like, uh, I, I think it's considered horror. And that's but, a key um, one right there, vibe. Um, the vibe of this movie is not is not horror. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think certain parts are, certain aren't. Um, but like you said, I, I agree with you that they use humor to kind of like a, and and uh, I guess softer '80s like type music, whatever it may be. Um, to and trumpets. Uh, yeah, but I don't think they were going for like what Army of Darkness was. I think they were still going for the horror. Like like Army of Darkness got to a point. Where it's like, all right, well, now we're just going to fuck around and have a good time. Yeah, and I, and I like, love that. that. Like I said, that's my favorite Evil Dead movie. Yeah, but my favorite is Evil Dead 2. I, I know you're not as big of a fan as uh, Army of Darkness. But um, but actually, my favorite might be Evil Dead 1. I don't know. I, I, I do like Evil Dead 1 to me. It's still like an all-out horror film. Yeah. And I, I think it's cool how they did it when they were... It, I think the first one's awesome how they made that when they were just out of college. And I think the sequel's better because, again, they pretty much remade the first one with more money. And they're like, all right, well, this is what we want to do. And we're going to do it again, but we're going to make it more slapstick. We're going to make it more like, because we talked about during our first, if you, if you guys remember, whoever's been with us since the, uh, since the harder to listen to um, <laughs> first four episodes with the Evil Dead, um, I want to say trilogy, I want to say quadrilogy, but it's a trilogy plus the remake. Um, again... They kind of went from their big three Stooges fans and stuff like that, and went from horror to just nonstop slapstick, which is great. You don't see movies change like that as as often. I mean, it's been done before, but not often. I'm um, talking about older horror films. When Diane, she's attacked by the Invisible Force, um, and she's flipping around the room. With they were using a uh, rotating room with a stationary camera. If you remember the original Nightmare on Elm Street, that's exactly how they filmed Tina's death, which is funny because it just came out a couple of years after that, so I wonder if they took from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that scene did remind me of that, and I was wondering, um, yeah, th- th- this did come out first on Friday the 13th. I mean, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, so that's interesting. Like, yeah, like I said, a lot of the stuff um, I-, I have just seen over the years and other stuff, so it, it would have definitely helped if I saw it here first because then... Uh, when I saw the stuff afterwards, I would have been like, oh, that's inspired by Poltergeist. But instead now, I see it as just like cliches. And um, again, that's not the movie's fault, but it just, uh, it would have definitely helped if it was a movie growing up like like how you watched it. Uh, also, uh, what I, do you think of the remake if you watched it by any chance? The remake is absolutely fucking horrible. <laughs> um, it's funny because it stars Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell. Me I too. think Sam Rockwell is one of the, the top 10 actors of our generation. Yep, and he even went to um, the best one of the best acting schools. What's that? Um, I forgot. I, you know, I should have been prepared if yeah, I was yeah. to bring that up, but uh, it's no, it's more, okay. No, no, it's, no, it's all right. Like I, again, like you, 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 know that though. Yeah, it's like one in said. it's one in New York. I could look it up quick, but um, yeah, it shows. Yeah, that's not a big deal. I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah it, it but, definitely um, shows that. Um, you know, he's, he's like, I think he's also from an acting family. Um, again, I, I, I don't have the exact details, but yeah, Sam Rockwell, just like Drew Barrymore, um, completely like. A student, student of the game, great actor, and he I love actually, him. In, um, yeah. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Galaxy Quest, and he's great in that movie, uh, Three Billboards. And Rockwell started off. Um, he actually started off in a movie called uh, when he was younger, like a teenager, like a young teenager. He was in the movie Clown House, 
and that's an '80s horror movie, and it's it, the the director of that movie was um, there was a little there was a little kid in that movie too, the one that's overweight, who the uh, they get into something that's um, that again like it's quite disturbing. Um, he the director molested the kid on set. And then years later, he went on. The director still directs movies now. He directs the Jeepers Creepers movies. So a lot of people, that's very controversial. A lot of people will not watch Jeepers Creepers because that guy d d directed it. But that was one of Sam Rockwell's first movies as a kid. Yeah, and um, I'm reading right now, his his parents were both, both his mom and his dad were actors. Um, so he it's also in his blood. And the school that... that um, he went to. Um, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I was just wondering, um, but not even about remakes. Um, they have two. You, you you know what remake I like a lot, and people knock. Um, and it's true they knock it because it's a scene to scene shot remake. And it we were talking about before with the movies that you used to see in theaters. Like which one would you see? I like the Psycho remake a lot from nineteen ninety eight. I think Vince Vaughn plays a good... I think Vince Vaughn's a great actor, too. I think he plays a nice psychopath. Yeah, hell yeah. And again, so I, again, even though it's a shot-for-shot shot remake, and Vince Vaughn is no Anthony Perkins by any means, but I enjoyed seeing it redone. Um, yeah, he went to the William William Espert uh, Drama School. William Espert Drama School? Yeah, which is uh, really highly acclaimed. and. Um, okay, I'm yeah. sure they get a lot of people out of there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm sure also having his parents be actors, it made it a little bit not that he's not a great actor, but it probably made it a little easier getting him into. Oh yeah, it. yep, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but not um, taking anything he, away from Rob. Yep, he earned it. He earned it for sure, though. Yeah. No. Again, like he's he's an actor that I watch, and like again, he's maybe it's because of his stunning good looks, but like he, <laughs> he's one of those actors that I can't take my eyes off of while they're on screen, and while they're not on screen, I'm like. Like I said, I thought, I thought Three Billboards was probably that movie, and I want to say, I want to say the best movie that I've seen in recent years in theaters was Manchester by the Sea, and if you want to watch a depressing movie, <laughs> go watch that. It's with Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams, and again, that movie again, it just it's a guy, it's a guy who pretty much. Um, I know I'm talking about a lot of depressing stuff this episode. Um, I'm going through a lot. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but um, it's about a guy who he goes out to... Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but I will anyway. But it's flashbacks and stuff. And he goes out one night after having friends over and drinking. He goes out to buy beer and he leaves the, um, he leaves the fire going. And he uh, burns down the house and his kids die. And this is years later now, and he's with his uh, he's with his brother, and helping his brother watch over his nephew. And again, it's a, it it that pretty much what happens with his kids ruins his relationship with his wife with Michelle Williams because when something goes through, like that with you through um, I guess you go through a situation with your wife like that. Sometimes it's very difficult to get through. I I, I, I can assume that again, but. It's just them trying to get through it. But again, that's probably the best movie I've seen recently. But Three of Billboards is up there, too. I have to watch that. Uh -huh. And uh, you still have to watch um, 
uh, Matchstick Men with Sam Rockwell and, and Nicolas Cage. I do, and I have it right here. I have it like maybe ten feet away from me. Great, great movie. And uh, I, I pulled up a list of the alumni from uh, William Esper uh, just to show you the, some of the people that graduated from there. Like uh, Jeff, sure? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, um, Aaron Eckhart, um, Kristen Davis, Kathy Bates, Larry David, uh, Kim Basinger, uh, Timothy Oliphant um, from Scream 2. Uh, Sam Rockwell, Amy Schumer, uh, Paul Sorvino, who recently passed away, uh, rest in peace. Um, yeah, a lot of great people went over here. Patricia Heehan from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, one of my favorite shows. I got to get more into that show. I, I used to watch like episodes here and there. I, find, I found it very funny. It, that, that show and um, what's it, K- King of Queens. Yeah, both great. Yeah, the two, two great shows. That, again, th- those shows are like friends where you could just like, Find them nonstop on TBS or something like that. They'll have like thirty episodes in a row. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a big Married with Children fan, and it's a surprise. Like it's not surprising, but it's crazy how like if you watch late night TV, you could still find like five episodes of, of Married with Children on TV a week. Uh, I I mean a night. I, I'd but say like, that's probably because of uh, his wife and Kelly Bundy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And also because of him, because he was. No, no, in, yeah, he's uh, great too. Of course, everybody. That, that, that whole show is just all comfort food. Yeah, yep, and again, like, it, it, it was very dangerous back in the day, too. It was like, um, there was one scene where, uh, I think they go camping, and all the girls had their, their, their cycle at the same time, and they're very nervous because there's, uh, there's bears all around, and then there's, um, again, the, the, a, a lot of sexual jokes and stuff, too, and that's when, again, that's when Fox first started becoming big. And again, that that and Roseanne and stuff were two big shows on there that weren't afraid to push the uh, to push the line a little bit. But uh, I feel like we're getting off topic a little bit. But um, so th- no, it all also... it all relates to a uh, poltergeist, though. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, it, it was filmed in the '80s. It was filmed with the camera. Yeah, exactly. But, um... <laughs> suburbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's two sequels to Poltergeist too. Um, they had the. the uh, they had this second and third, um, I forgot what they're called, but there's two sequels to them, which I own all three. I, I got them in like a three-piece box set. Um, the first one, it brings back, the second sequel pretty much brings back all the main characters, except for Dominic Dunn, the girl who I said was choked by her boyfriend and killed it the first one came out. And then third one is with Nancy Allen, um, who was in Carrie, which was directed by De Palma, who she was... Uh, who she was, I don't know if she was married to him, but she was definitely dating him. And she was the main female in the Robocop series. And De Palma was also her, um, was in Blowout and Dressed to Kill with her, directed those. And Tom Skerritt played the father. And the only two that were in all of the films were Rubenstein, uh, Rubenstein and O'Rourke as the little girl. And again, they talk about De Palma. There's a great De Palma documentary out there, just called De Palma, about his um, about his whole uh, filmography and his whole life as a filmmaker. He directed the three I just mentioned: um, Carrie, Blowout, Dress to Kill. He also directed Scarface, Mission Impossible, and The Untouchables. So he has quite a um, quite a filmography going for himself. But uh, I thought there were some. Uh, I I want to get back to the movie for a second. Um, I thought there were some great lines in the movie, too. Like, the line that always got me is when Craig T. Nelson becomes a badass later on in the film, and he finds out what happened. He finds out that they that they ended up 
The whole town is built over an Indian burial ground. That's why it's haunted. And they find out that they moved the headstones, but they left all the bodies in there. So he grabs the guy, and he goes, You son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies, and you only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. Why? And again, I thought that was a, a great line, and <laughs> that line always got me. And also, when um, the investigators came over in the beginning, and they're looking over everything, and they're trying to, uh, the ghost hunters, whatever you call them, and they're talking about what they've seen in past houses, and they're like, yeah, one time we saw a toy car roll seven feet in seven hours. It was really slow, but you speed up the camera, you could see it happening. And you see the look, it's not even a line, but you see the... You see the look on Craig T. Nelson's face as he opens up the door to the kid's room. And the look, he's just like, yeah, okay, buddy, whatever the fuck you say. And he opens up the door and everything's floating around and spinning. <laughs> and I thought I thought that was funny, just like the expression on his face. Like, yeah, bud, just keep telling your story. Like, that seems very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I also found it funny that, like, um, how we talked about, you, you, you posted on our in- Instagram about the, uh, the, um, the woman protecting children. In movies, and I felt like Joe Beth Williams was very much like she would do anything for her kids in this movie. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention her. Yep. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't so. watch the movie when I made that post. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no, yeah, that's true. That came out before that. But the fact that like she's going back in the house, she's like, I'm not leaving my kids. She's going there. She's going into the center of like, of the hole, sucking them in with the tongue or whatever that thing is coming out of the tentacle to pull them in, and she makes sure to get in that room and get the kids out. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, she's definitely um, the first person I'll think of when I when I hear this movie, uh, character wise. She um, she's the most memorable. Her and the little blonde girl. Yeah. Oh, and by the um, way, and I hated the kid. By the way, <laughs> I couldn't stand him. You hated him. the kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. His acting just like got on my nerves. The 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 little boy. Yeah, that gets choked by the by the clown. And I don't want to yeah, be yeah. mean because that's a kid, but <laughs> I just I didn't like his um his acting. He's a grown man now. He's the only one that's alive, so you, you, you can pick on him. <laughs> and he's listening right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to talk about all the horrible things that happened while filming, buddy. But, um, so, was I going to say, uh, yeah, I, I, what, one more interesting fact about the movie is that uh, if you, if you um, in the movie, they say that Dana, the oldest daughter, is 16, and Diane, the mother, Joe Beth Williams, is 32, and people have a hard time like believing like a, she gave birth to her at 16 mm. but in the novel turns out the oldest daughter isn't even her daughter like the oldest daughter is her her stepdaughter it's from uh, his first uh, wife so not that that like even really matters but I found that interesting I never even knew like I the first time watching I, I didn't hear about the age difference but then seeing it again and hearing what they had to say it it it's Weird seeing that that's not her daughter, her actual daughter in the movie. That's crazy. But uh, at the at the anything else you want to add, Steve? Um, yeah, the, I, I'll say something positive about it. Um, the practical effects were very good. Um, like the the actual physical stuff was good. I, I didn't like the computer effects. Like I said, I thought it was too um, ambitious for the time. Um, like they they should have went for stuff like that. Like maybe it looked better back then, but. The computer-generated stuff I don't like, but the actual practical stuff uh, I enjoyed it. That's usually how it is with a lot of movies. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I give that com- um, props. I give the the actors props because even though I don't like the tone of the movie, they did a good job at acting like people that are in um, a movie of that tone. Like they delivered their lines like um, like in a court. Now nah, I don't want to say corny, but like they delivered their lines like the way they did, like over the top, very well. Um, I'm sure that's how they were directed to act. So uh, the actors were great. The practical effects were great. Um, well filmed. Um, all my problems were with the music, the editing, and the tone. But um, definitely a very ambitious and well put together movie. Just um, I don't think the I don't think the the horror was there enough for me. Yeah, I wouldn't say they were corny. I'd say they're more lima beanie. But um, was it said? But um, <laughs> no, that's corny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. As always, uh, we're going to throw you a, a recommendation or two at the end, movies that we liked that uh, someone, someone had a feel that this movie had or related to it in a cer- certain way. Um, I'm going to give you two today. First is 13 Ghosts. And I'm talking about the Matthew Lillard one from later on, from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Not, I, I, you know what? I like the original House on Haunted Hill. I like the original... Um, I mean, I like the remakes that, of House on Haunted Hill and The Haunting. But I hate the I hate the original of Thirteen Ghosts. I, I like the original of the other two, but I hate the original of Thirteen Ghosts. It just bores me. But the remake's a fun movie, a, a ghost story, and um, Insidious. Insidious. If you haven't seen Insidious, go check it out. That is the only movie that I've seen as an adult. I might have mentioned this movie before. That has frightened me as an adult. Like I've seen older movies, like we mentioned The Exorcist a couple times. That have, like again, uh, Silence of the Lambs scares me. It still scares me. But like Insidious is the only movie that came out recently that I get that feel from where I get chills down my back. Um, so those two are my recommendations for the day. Um, I'll recommend another satire because um, I feel like this movie that they were going for that, like the satirical approach. Um, I recommend Shaun of the Dead, which is my favorite, one of my favorite um, horror comedies. And... Um, we actually talked about this before. I, I, I don't know if it's considered a horror... It's not considered a horror movie, but it has horror elements, just like it has comedy, drama, and romance. Um, the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Um, it's kind of reaching. Re- I'm recommending that based off this, but just, um, I guess, because of the paranormal and supernatural stuff. And it, it's also pretty funny, I think. And, and it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, who made... Um, I believe he made Airplane. And, um, yeah, but that's my favorite ghost ghost related movie it's the movie ghost so i'll recommend ghost and i recommend uh, Shaun of the dead for comedy both funny I movies re- though yeah i recently saw Shaun of the dead for the first time in like 20 years um i saw it in theaters i saw it a couple times when it first came out i haven't watched it since then but that movie's great yeah i have exactly. to I, i'm glad you told me that because i'm recommending it based off seeing it uh, years and years ago i definitely have to watch it again but i remember laughing a lot now, I remember loving. It. it came out like the same time, maybe a year after Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah, <laughs> and those were t- that was like a great time for films. It came out like right around when Wet Hot American Summer came out. Maybe yeah, a great comedy after. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that was like a good. And even then, they had like um, they had L- the Ladies Man. They had, uh, they were just starting off with all that Zoolander stuff, and it was a great time for comedies. Um, yeah, so great great recommendations. Um, Next week, we will be discussing another 1982 film. We are sticking with anniversary films for one more week. And we will be discussing something that I love. I think Steve loves, too. Um, Again, 
So we will be discussing The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, which again is a remake, and it also has a, uh, we'll talk about later, also has a pretty crappy prequel, which I will say is worse than the Poltergeist sequel. I mean, the Poltergeist remake. But uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. But until then, be afraid, and you can catch us on our Be Afraid Horror podca- podcast on Instagram. Just type Be Afraid Horror podcast, and we'll see you then. Thank you, guys.